to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're talking about the Residential Tenancies Act. We talked about this just a couple of weeks ago when the Residential Tenancies Act bill had passed through Select Committee, and we gave an update on that. This bill has now been passed as of Wednesday the 5th, I think it is, of August. It was passed under urgency, which means that the second and third readings of the bill were done at once, and it was crammed through, rushed through, before Parliament ended, so that every Everybody, all the politicians could go on the campaign trail. So we do want to give an update on this. We have discussed in the past the, the substance of the bill, but we'll recap it and also talk about some of the speeches that were actually given at the readings of these bills, as well as a discussion of whether this will actually change our investing strategy or not, and some of the, the things that we think will happen. So just to reiterate the key points of the bill, the main controversial one was the end of of no cause tenancy. So previously... No cause tenancy ending. That's correct. Thanks for that, Andrew. So previously, or at least for the next six months, you can actually do this because the provisions of the bill don't come in for another six months. But under the previous legislation, you were able to give a notice to your tenants that the tenancy is going to end in 90 days, and that's what it is. You can no longer do that anymore. There has to be a set reason for why you want to end the tenancy. And there are reasons for why you can do that, whether it's that a family member is going to move in, that you want to renovate the property, that you're going to sell the property, that there's been some social issues with the tenant, but you've got to give whatever that reason is. Now, you might wonder why that change had been made, because no-cause tenancy endings only make up about 3% of all tenancies ending. It's not often used. So you might wonder, well, why is it? And what the government is really trying to protect against, and this comes through in Chris Farfoy's speech when he spoke at the second reading of the bill, and Chris Farfoy, the Associate Housing Minister, I think he is, yeah, Associate Minister of Housing, he was the one that really championed this bill and pushed it through. And when you read his speech, he really talks about the societal change that has happened over time. So these days, fewer people own their home and a larger constituency is renting. And because more people are renting for longer, they want to give more protections to the tenants to be able to put down roots in their communities. And that's really the thinking that's coming across from the current government, from the red side and the green side of the house, where they want to make sure that people aren't having to move schools, take their kids out of schools and upend their lives if they are, in effect, wanting to be a long-term tenant. And they do want to protect, and I think there's a genuine cause there, whether I believe it's actually going to happen or not is something else, but they do want to protect tenants who want to put down their roots and build and live in a specific community. And I think we can understand that. Absolutely. I I think it's only fair if tenants are, you know, good, that you want to be able to give them certainty around being able to use that house and, and not all of a sudden have an eviction notice because the landlord's changed his mind and wants to sell the property because, you know, tax law changes or something like that or just a personal situation changes. I do think the motive in itself is Good. I don't know if this is the mechanism that's going to fix it. And I think with the law of unintended consequences, which we so often talk about, it's actually going to have a negative impact for some tenants, more negative impact for tenants than it will for landlords. And actually, in some of the stuff that I was reading, there was some, a, a guy that was heading up the, the, I can't remember the name they used, it was the stop the, the attack on tenant, the landlords basically association. And he was saying that he's got, you know, something like 90 tenancies across the country over 
over a number of different properties and that he's only actually had to use the short-term eviction notice on a fairly low number of times. But he was saying that he's probably far less likely now to give people a chance. And I think this is the big message as a landlord. And there was an article in the paper today as well. A lady who's got some adverse credit is really struggling now to find a house to rent. And look, let's face it, we do have a housing shortage in New Zealand. And we had this thing called Kiwi Build, which was going to solve all the problems. And three years later, it's turned out to be nothing, and that's, it's not going to fill the housing gap anytime soon. And so now we've got this problem where there are fewer landlords, I guess, because people are feeling a little discouraged to get into the market. A few other landlords are saying, well, I don't want to you know, get my house up to healthy homes standard, so they're going to offload those older properties and maybe build some new ones, which there's going to be a lag there. Building takes some time, and so again, you're going to have fewer properties out there for tenants potentially and more people wanting to rent. And then, of course, as a landlord, you are going to inevitably be more choosy. And I know as a landlord myself, there's been plenty of times where, you know, you might have someone where you might see them as a heightened risk. So for example, a solo parent. So my sister is a solo parent. I know that in the past, she's found it challenging sometimes because, you know, property managers might say, well, you know, we've got one solo parent with a couple of kids and we've got a family with two incomes maybe or one and a half incomes. They might be seen as the safer bet. Now, as it happens, either can be just as likely to pay their rent, but because now you might not be able to evict someone quite as easily, you're far more likely to go with the safer option. And that, of course, makes rents go up. And so that could end up costing those people that they're trying to help. And that's the part that I disagree with. And the thinking around this really is that if you've got an out down the line that you're able to use, you're more willing to take risks. And this is what it's really about. If the one way to help at risk tenants or tenants who have some issues that pose some risks to the landlord, one way to help out those tenants is to give the landlord an out so that they're actually willing to take the risk. And I suppose that's what is not being presented in this bill. And to be fair, this is what Ron Mark from the New Zealand First Party talked about. Now, New Zealand First did vote for this legislation, but within his speech, he talks about that New Zealand First had expressed some reservations in this legislation, particularly around this 90-day clause, given that it is one of the more contentious. Though I thought within his speech, again, I want to get, talk about some of the specifics of the speech, they do talk about that New Zealand First had won a particular amendment, which I thought I hadn't actually seen in the media, because it's perhaps not as contentious, but it's important. So the bill does add an additional option for landlords to apply to the tenancy tribunal to enter tenancy, and this is important, where a tenant is in minor but repeated rent arrears. So if a tenant is only five days in arrears, but three times within 90 days, then the landlord can give notice to the tenants based on or apply to the tenancy tribunal for the tenancy to end if they've given notice each of those times. Whereas currently, you'd have to wait until the tenant is under 21 days in arrears. So they're trying to put in some specific safeguards. For me, it probably doesn't cut the mustard. And of course, one of the speeches that I just want to talk about the approach to landlords here as well, because it was quite interesting in the speech that Louise Upston from the National Party gave, where she was talking about mum and dad investors and the plight of mum and dad investors wanting to provide rental accommodation to people. It was quite interesting that Tamari Coffey of the Labour Party kept calling out. So Louise was saying, this is typical New Zealand landlord, what we call a mum and dad investor. He says, a business owner. She says, might have one property, one rental. He says, 
business he's calling out in the house. And I think that there's probably a bit of confusion. Yes, we often talk about that, you know, when you are purchasing a rental property, you are in effect going into business, but you're not going into business really. You are investing, you are an investor. And I think calling somebody a business owner and expecting that they're going to take their same risks and responsibilities of, of a, a true business owner is like calling somebody who owns a couple of shares in a public company a business owner. Yes, technically you own a business, but not really. You're a shareholder, you're an investor. Well, if you're a business owner, how come we can't offset our losses? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, look, the yeah, main point of today's podcast is to just talk about this actually now coming into an effect. But I do think it is really important that because there's going to be a lot of media around this, you as an investor understand that it will have some impacts, but maybe not as drastic as the media will portray again. And I think it's really important that you don't make a knee-jerk reaction. And so I, I've had a couple of investors ask me, you know, is this going to be a major catastrophe? Now, if you're using a property manager, who's going to screen your tenants properly, I don't think it's going to be much of an issue whatsoever. If you're doing it yourself and you're not running things like credit checks and then you can't you know, evict someone quite as easily or if you are taking a bit of a punt, I think that might cause a bit more of an issue for the DIY property investor who we call you know, a landlord. But for a true investor who's hands off, I don't think it's going to have much impact, if any. Certainly not if you've got a decent product that's going to attract a decent tenant yes. uh, because it really is going to impact the at-risk tenants that you would allow to tenant your rental properties. And the one thing, again, I just want to reiterate what Andrew said is guard against being reactionary. So I think it is important to understand the, what's happening within this bill, but also not to allow it to, to make you take an emotional decision. I know certainly at times in, in our business, when we've thought that something was a real issue, we've gone away, we've looked at the data, and as soon as we've understood what the issue is, we've been able to fix it, or we've been able to put measures in place to, to guard against that. I don't think that this bill in its entirety is enough to stop you investing in property. Rather, I should say, to stop you from getting the benefits of property investment because the benefits of property investment are still there. That's right. Certainly not the smart investor that actually understands the impact. I think it's the the non-educated investor, those who don't listen to the Property Academy podcast, for example, that maybe don't understand the changes in its entirety and how to navigate their way around them. Those are the ones that are at risk. And for those of us that can weather the storm, often it works out even better for us. Fantastic. And please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast it really does help us get the message out to more people and hey if you want to learn more about property with andrew and i in person why not come along to our property academy podcast live podcast recording session we are doing this in wellington christchurch and auckland mid-september and this week i am going to release this out to the database of about ten thousand contacts that we've got so i do know that these events are going to fill up at the moment i've just been keeping it for you guys and just talking about it on the podcast you can't even get to where to register by going on our website so i just wanted to keep it for the hardcore podcast fans but we are going to open that up so this is your last chance to get in before everybody else is able to so tap or swipe over the cover art there will probably be a link in the show notes so you can click that it'll take you right there or just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash pod event Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.